The blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider today is our Gospel reading, the beginning of our Gospel reading for this past Sunday, which was the second Sunday in the Lenten season. We're looking at John chapter 4, verses 5 to 15, where the Apostle John was inspired to write, So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. My dear friends in Christ, Jesus had been preaching in southern Palestine, in Judea, and when he was preaching down there, the Jews felt threatened by Jesus because the people were crowding around him and listening to him. Well, they felt threatened by Jesus and they wanted to oppose him and see if they could somehow or other get rid of him. And well, because of their threats and their attacks, what Jesus did is Jesus decided to go to the northern portion of Palestine, to Galilee, to continue his, his work there. But to get from Judea to Palestine, well, Jesus went through Samaria. And we could call Samaria, that was the state that was between the northern state of Galilee and the southern state of Judea. However, at this particular time, the Jews in, well, Galilee and in Judea, they were not on good terms with the Samaritans, and that hostility was something that began, oh, about 500 years ago when officially we'd say the Samaritans began. And remember what happened about 500 years before this. That's when the Babylonian captivity took place, when many of the Jews were carried off into that 70-year exile, but not all the Jews were carried off into that exile. 
there were some Jews who were left behind and well some of those Jews intermarried with the Canaanite people in the land and those intermarried Jews and Canaanites were known as the Samaritans. Well, after the Babylonian captivity was over and the Jews returned, what happened is, of course, the Jews wanted to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And at first, the Samaritans said that they'd like to help out with that project, but the Jews didn't want them to help because, well, partly because the Jews looked at the Samaritans and saw that what they had unfortunately done is they had intermarried with the Canaanite people and, and many of them worshiped their gods maybe in addition to worshiping the Lord. And so the Jews said, no, you can't build the temple with us because you worship those other gods. And another reason why, maybe this was the greater reason, is that they looked at those Samaritans and said, you're not purebred Israelites or Jews anymore. And there was this hostility and, and tragically there was this prejudice that existed. And now because of that prejudice that existed, many of the Jews who would travel from Judea up to Samaria, up to Galilee, instead of going straight through what they do is they take the long route and go around Samaria, adding maybe 50 or more miles to their trip like that. And that was all just caused by prejudice. All caused by prejudice. And there was prejudice on the part of the Jews toward the Samaritans and on the part of the Samaritans toward the Jews as well. And it's sad that that existed. You know, by God's grace, we are believers but we still need to look out for feelings in us that might cause us to look down on someone else and, and maybe withhold the gospel from someone else. Well, on this particular day, when Jesus came to Jacob's well in Samaria, he was worn out. His, weary, no, his weariness shows that the Son of God was also true man. He had humbled himself in order to be our savior. He wasn't using all of his almighty power, so he was worn out and tired and thirsty. So when this Samaritan woman came at noontime to get some water for herself, her family, maybe the animals that they had, well, Jesus asked her if she'd get him a drink and his request surprised her because she knew that Jesus, well, somehow she knew that Jesus was a Jew and prejudiced Jews would believe that if they drank from the same cup or vessel that a Samaritan drank, that what happened is that they would become ceremonially unclean and they need to go through a special religious cleaning ritual in order to be eligible to worship again. But see now, Jesus wasn't prejudiced. He was concerned about her eternal soul. So he said to her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. She replied, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? She didn't like to hear Jesus at first here claiming to be in her mind greater than Jacob, her ancestor, how, how she misunderstood what Jesus was talking about. But Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. And that absolutely thrilled her because she was saying, well, every day, I don't know how many times, probably several times in the course of the day, maybe in the morning, maybe at noon, maybe in the evening, maybe more often, she'd have to go down there with these jars to put water in and take it back to her home. And she was just thinking, if I wouldn't have to do that again, life would be so much easier. But she was missing Jesus' real meaning here. Her reaction to Jesus proves that what Paul told the Corinthians is true when he said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. By her own reasoning and thinking, she couldn't understand Jesus. It was only later on through the working of the Holy Spirit that she believed and well started to understand what Jesus was talking about. That when he was talking about living water, he wasn't talking about H2O. He was talking about, well, faith and the blessings that we have in God, that those are things that really satisfy. Well, this woman, she acted as if she'd be satisfied if she just didn't have to keep coming to that well all the time for water. She would have been absolutely overwhelmed to have our running water today. But even that, of course, wouldn't have completely satisfied her. She always would have had more wants before she would really be satisfied. And, and we have that same tendency. Without Jesus, we need to recognize there is no satisfaction. Only in Jesus is there real satisfaction. Without Jesus, no satisfaction. Without God, we can't be satisfied. Oh, well over 100 years ago, there was a survey that was done that figured out that the average American had 70 wants, and maybe that sounds like a lot, but a bit more than 30 years ago, that same survey was, a similar survey was, was given, and, and it was found out that the grandson of the person surveyed more than 100 years ago, guess how many wants he had? 500, more than 500. Now that's 30 years ago. If that was 30 years ago, I wonder what it's like today if a similar survey would exist. Would be, we be in the neighborhood of a thousand? What I don't know. It's hard to believe. 
But see now, we can't satisfy ourselves. It's only in, through faith in Christ that we can come to see that worldly things don't really matter. Unless, of course, we use them to the glory of God, then they matter, they have a good purpose. But even as believers, we will always have this tendency to be dissatisfied and to want more and more. But Jesus, what he does is he guarantees complete eternal satisfaction. Oh, we, we live in a materialistic world. You'll hear me say this plenty of times. With all the advertising that's out there, we're not taught to be satisfied. We're taught to want. We're taught to be dissatisfied all the times. We're tempted to covet, to want things that we can't and shouldn't have. We all have the tendency to be like the rich fool in Jesus' parable. You know, he had so much, but he wanted even more. So he had to build bigger barns in which to store his wealth. And, and then the Lord took his life. And what good did his riches do him then? May God help us always to see that worldly things can't offer us complete and eternal satisfaction. Well, the complete and eternal satisfaction that is ours in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Without Jesus, there's no satisfaction. But with Jesus, we have everything we need. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us to see that without Jesus, there's no satisfaction. But we who see our sins and know what we deserve because of our sins can be completely satisfied and completely happy when we have Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you always. Amen.